This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Your Pittsburgh Steelers have reported to training camp on the south side. Practices are underway for the black and gold as 2021 training camp gets underway and the 2021 NFL season, I think you can say, has officially begun. Welcome into the Steelers standard since training camp is in the forefront of everybody's mind and we're right at the beginning of this almost three week adventure that we're about to go on before camp finally breaks in the middle of preseason. I think it's important to take a look at some of the biggest storylines going into camp. Now, some of these may be position battles, but some of these may not be position battles. They might just be some interesting things that you're keeping an eye on during camp. But I I think the top of the list is the thing that's been the concern for everybody all offseason long, ever since Marquise Pouncey decided to retire. As we worked our way through the offseason, we also found out that the Steelers will be losing David DeCastro as well. Two big losses to that offensive line. The eyes of Steelers Nation, the eyes of Steelers Media, the eyes of really the NFL world will be on that offensive line at Steelers training camp this year, seeing who's going to be able to take the steps forward to become a starter, potentially Kendrick Green as a rookie. Uh, Is Chooks and Banner going to be able to hold down those tackle spots? There's a lot of interesting things to keep an eye on, and you also just have to recognize that that is – consensusly considered the weakest link for the Pittsburgh Steelers team. So I think with any training camp for any team, the weakest link is always going to have the spotlight shined on it the most. Oh, no doubt. And when you look at um, the offensive line, that's been the storyline really since the season ended and all the other storylines going into it with Pouncey leaving and then obviously DeCastro leaving and, um, you know, you're kind of in a pinch and, and, you know, absolutely the the offensive line was – you know the storyline, but then when you add some the other, you know, uh, the other um, stories I just mentioned with Pouncey and DeCastro, it becomes even more so. And um, you know, I, I think it, the as I said before, the onus is going to be on Kendrick Green, and I think he's the most important guy of the draft class. I know, I know, really, you know, when you look at the the team, Najee is the most important draft pick. But when you when you look at Kendrick Green, he needs to be good right away, and if he starts right away, I mean, that's the hope is that he starts right away. And Jacob and I made the point when when you were out, Tom, that um, that I believe that that Kendrick Green needs to start now, um, even more so because DeCastro is gone. I think the onus is even more on the Steelers to have him be the starter um, for him to learn right away and him to not to be thrown into the fire right away. That's not necessarily the right way of putting it, but that kind of is what you have to do right now, especially with losing DeCastro and you don't really have much time to kind of you know tinker with things and. Um, you know, I, I I do think that it's important for that offensive line, and it absolutely, you, you hit the nail on the head there. That when you get to camp and and when you look at camp, the the biggest question mark is the offensive line. And will you really learn anything in training camp? I don't know. You'll you'll at least know something. You'll at least see Kendrick Green in the in the Hall of Fame game, which is a positive. But are you really going to learn anything in, in training camp? You know, I don't know. But it, it's definitely going to be the focal point of camp. I had no problem with you using the term being thrown into the fire because I think that's exactly what's going to happen with him. I think when you use that term, it implies that something is going wrong and you have to just kind of throw whatever you can at it. And the offensive line we know has its problems, and we're just throwing Kendrick Green in the mix of it saying, we need you to, to start. And I completely agree with you, Kellen. I think that he needs to start as soon as possible, get him as many snaps without pushing the limits uh, throughout the preseason 
but get him as many snaps so he can be comfortable to start week one. I think that's exactly what needs to happen in order for this offensive line to get off to its best possible start. Well, our very good friend on Steelers Nation Radio and the Steelers Podcasting Network, Dale Lawley, tweeted out yesterday during practice, Kendrick Green got the go for first-team offense, and that is day one in training camp. And I know that there's a long way to go, and Kellen, maybe it is just a little trial by fire, and you know, just to throw in the rookie to the Wolves, really, on day one, although you know they weren't really using pads or anything like that, so mm-hmm. it wasn't necessarily that big of a, a trial for him, but... Still, for all the technicality stuff, for all the learning the playbook stuff and walking through the offense, Kendrick Green was the one that they threw out there for that first team offense. Mm-hmm. So, at the very least, you got to say he's playing from a spot where he's going to be the starter and he really has to lose that job by showing he's not ready, as opposed to him being coming in and being the backup and just having to overwhelm as a rookie to take that starting job. Right. And I mean, I think that's a great sign that in the first day, of camp that he was, you know, that, that he's going to, um, you know, at least at this point be with the first team offense. I think that's a great sign. And like you said, this is a long way to go. It's the first day of camp. A lot of things can happen before then. And I think it's a, it's a positive that they've, you know, that they've already said that, that Kendra green is going to be uh, a starter for the hall of fame game. As I mentioned before, we know we're going to see him. Um, I think that's a positive because he needs as many reps as he can get before you get to the, you know, to the season, <clears throat> And before you get to the, you know, the, um, the the regular season, you need as many reps as you can get against another another team, not just your, you know, your not your, your own defense, guys, not yeah. your own guys. You need te- you need actual game yeah. setting. And I think that's going to be important for Kendrick Green. And I think, um, you know, I think it's a great sign that he's with the first team to start right away. But don't forget, there's another NFL capable guy. I know last year wasn't um, the the most ringing endorsement for BJ Finney. But we've seen that Finney can play at this level, too. And, and, you know, just because Green is with the first team right now, it doesn't mean something can't happen and that B.J. Finney, you know, can't overtake him. I hope that doesn't happen. But, you know, it's definitely a good sign where Kendrick Green is in the first day of camp. Yep. I wouldn't be actually opposed to seeing the entire, quote-unquote, starting offensive line play in that Hall of Fame game. At least the first quarter you're, or first drive. You're not going to see Ben Roethlisberger in that no. game. I don't think you'll even see Najee Harris in that game. Probably mm-hmm. not Juju Chase or Deontay. Maybe Deontay. But for just to have a body out on the field for, for a couple of possessions, uh, you're not going to see anybody major on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, the Hall preseason games, other than the third one or – Maybe it'll be the second one this time because most teams other than the Steelers and the Cowboys only have three preseason games this year. I mean, you don't really see much of the starters anyway, except for that uh, traditional third preseason game. Hall of Fame game is like even that to the 10th degree. I mean, you might not even see Mason Rudolph in the Hall of Fame game. I mean, that's happened in the past before. Teams just simply don't really do much with that game. It's more of just a ceremonial type of affair, uh, inducting Hall of Fame classes and playing in it in that game in front of uh, Canton. But I wouldn't be opposed to seeing Chooks, Dotson, Green, Trey, and Banner out there for a series, maybe a quarter even. I mean, you don't want him to get hurt, so a quarter might be too aggressive. But definitely a series or two with those guys together because, again, biggest question mark on the team for sure. And use as much time as you can before games start actually counting to try mm-hmm. to you know get your feet wet with this new crew because mm-hmm. it's a completely new crew. Oh, it's, I mean, from top to bottom. Chooks I mean, is the most senior starter for a Steeler on that team. Trey right. Turner, it's, it's, as far as an NFLer is concerned, but right. this is his first time going with the Steelers. No he, offense to any of these guys, but that's like a laughable fact. 
it's, it's something it, you it don't want to That's why people think yeah. it could be the worst line right. in football. I mean, and you made the point about Trey Turner. He got here, what, three weeks ago, two weeks exactly. ago, whatever so it was. He so. needs as much reps right. as he possibly can. He does. Can and I mean, I know, as you said, he's he's an NFL capable player. He's been to a, you know, a handful of Pro Bowls. But I guess what's helping him is that everybody's learning a new offense. Right. They've right. had a, more of a head start on him right. than that, but it's only been by a couple months. Yeah. Instead of, you know, coming in six year offensive coordinator returning, he's got to learn some that all these guys have known. Yeah. And I mean, when you look at the offensive line, like you said, um, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed if they all played at least a little bit. I, I don't think you want them playing more than a quarter, and I don't think that's what you're suggesting. But I do think it's important that they get as many reps as possible just because it takes time for – and let's be honest here, it's a completely new offensive line from the one we saw in, in last year. Uh, when you look at the starting – the starters, I should say. I mean, I know Chooks played a lot last year, but he wasn't pegged as the original starter. I mean, I know Banner – um, you know, was the original starter, but he never played. So it's a completely different look um, at the offensive line. And I know, you know, I know there are some bright spots last year, um, but it it all just depends on how quickly they gel together. And those sort of things don't happen right away. I mean, you can't just expect them to play in the last preseason game together, you know, play what a series or, how you know, like kind of how Ben does or Ben plays two series, whatever it is in the last game. And then be expected to be ready to go against, mm-hmm. you know, against the Buffalo Bills week one. I, I don't see, um, you know, I don't see that happening. I do think you need to get these guys together, learn the communication and, and things like that. And again, to be in a game setting, to not be at, at training camp against your own guys. I think it's uber important. Yeah, I think without a doubt, this preseason is going to be most important for this offensive line. You want to get them to work together as much as you can. So you kind of have to hope that when you're playing these preseason games that the offense is out there for 65% of the time. You know, you want to hope that the teams that you're playing aren't aren't clicking offensively themselves so that it gives your offense more of an opportunity to be out there. But, I mean, as much as you can say about Najee Harris getting some snaps just so he has some NFL experience ahead of him before he starts week one or the defense getting back to things or Ben getting back into a groove before he he starts in what could be his final year I think by far and away the offensive line needs this needs this offseason needs this training camp and preseason games more so than any other unit on this team well all we've talked about so far is the starting five it takes more than that to have a successful offensive line in the NFL. A, you're going to have injuries uh, to some of your starters because it's just it's one of the it's the highest impact position in all of sports, not just on the football field. And you get into a car crash every single down, so someone's going to get hurt. That's just the fact of the matter. Uh, guys that are in that backup spot to kind of compete to be someone that can step in when someone gets injured. Chaz Green, they just signed him to add depth to that offensive line. Obviously, it's always valuable to continue to add depth to that line. B.J. Finney has shown that he can be a bit of a Swiss Army knife in the past when not just the center were to go down, but if either guard spot were to go down either, he could step in there. I'm sure J.C. Hassenhauer could do the same. Uh, But the guy I think is going to be the swing guy is Joe Haig, the person that they signed in the offseason coming off of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, from 2020, one of the few guys that isn't returning to Tampa Bay. He played for the Buccaneers last year, too, not in a starter capacity, but he saw playing time and he saw playing time in the playoffs in the Super Bowl, which is important. So 
I think he's the guy that'll be, you know, if they go jumbo package, he might be the one that steps in to be that six lineman. Uh, if one of the tackles goes down, I think he's the next tackle up. The dark horse, though, is Dan Moore Jr., the rookie out of Texas A&M, because if he can get his Kendrick or if he can get his Kevin Dotson on and potentially Kendrick Green on this year, and show that he is ready to play significant downs. If the top five is healthy, he doesn't have to be thrown into the fire that way, but he could definitely be a valuable sixth man if he can get to that point. No pressure for him to get there, though, because he was no. a fourth-round draft pick, so right. you will have to hope that his time will come a year or two from now. Yeah, I mean, and when you look at Dan Moore, like you said, he's was the fourth-round pick, and as you said, there's not a lot of pressure on him. I think the Steelers look at him more as a as – a, as a, as a, as a future thing for him to really come into his own, maybe next year or the year after. And you'd be completely okay with that because like you said, he's a fourth round pick, but yeah, I think Joe Hegg is going to be the swing guy too. I mean, don't forget you did spend money on him to bring him here. Um, you mm -hmm. know, and I think that is important. Um, and he's, you know, if you look at the backups, you know, at, at left tackle, Chaz green, as you said, and obviously Dan Moore, and then the backup behind Joe Hegg is Anthony Coyle. I, I think he's the best one of the bunch, and that might not be saying that much, considering you know um, you know Dan Moore Jr. probably has the highest upside, and we don't we haven't seen him play a down of football yet in the NFL. Um, but I, I do think Hag will probably be the swing guy, and it's not a bad place to be, considering like we said, he, he wasn't he wasn't a starter, but he did see time um, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they won the Super Bowl last year. So at least it, it gives you another guy to help out. And, oh, by the way, if someone goes down, he's obviously proven that he can play at this level. I think that's a great – I mean, it's not a, a good problem to have if you lose somebody, but at least you have an NFL-capable guy behind right. them. And, I, I mean, I think he's going to see a lot of playing time when they go jumbo, and I think that's something that you'll see a lot. Um, you know, if they want to get back to running the football and they want to get back to being a smash-mouth type of team with, with Najee Harris now – that's what you're going to see, and I think you're going to see a lot of Joe Hegg out there. Other than Kevin Dotson and Kendrick Green, so the other three, so basically three-fifths of this offensive line, I expect to see a bunch of rotating names. I don't really know if you're going to see Chooks be out there for 15 starts, Banner be out there for 14 or something like that. I just don't know if, if Mike Tomlin or the team has confidence in these guys to start all 17 games or even 16 or 15 games. I feel like this is this could be as as Callen said, kind of a a uh, Ferris wheel of of people that you'll see out in the line. Other than I think the only two people that you'll see consistently will be Dotson and Kendra Green. I don't know if it's a bad thing that that'll happen, but I just don't know if I have the confidence that these guys will lock up the starting position at their spot for the entire seventeen game season. Well, another major storyline is the guy that those men will be blocking for, Najee Harris. Not a position battle at all. He is for sure the locked-on number one running back on the team. Uh, people are going to have a keen interest in seeing how Najee looks, especially in his first preseason action, like you said, getting to go against another team at full speed and seeing what he can be capable of doing at an actual NFL game. But, I mean... He passes the eye test as far as social media is just concerned. He's in minicamp. We remember the amazing one-handed catch that he made in the end zone. Uh, he has shown flashes of him, his hands being really much better than advertised when he came out of school. And oh, yeah. if you remember, whenever someone asked him, you know, did you go back to Alabama to really work on your receiving game? He kind of took a little bit of offense to it and was like, I've always been a really good receiver. I mean, I don't know why that kind of started to be the narrative. I've always fancied myself to have solid hands for a running back, and he's shown it so far. And then, I mean, if you follow the Steelers on Instagram, follow the Steelers on Twitter, 
it went completely viral yesterday, especially around Pittsburgh with Najee Harris's pre-practice uh, workout of right. doing a handstand and some yeah. sort of a yoga thing that I could never even think of possibly doing myself. I mean, something like a typical training exercise. The guy's for a him. specimen. Yeah. I mean, that's the word that I would use to describe him. He's an absolute athletic freak. And no offense to James Conner or Benny Snell, but they just hadn't had someone like that right. at that position the past couple of seasons. No, they haven't. And I mean, like I said before, if you're trying to be the Smash Mouth, the the running offense that you say you're going to be that's a perfect guy to have to to build that offense around and um you know you mentioned benny snell i know this isn't exactly where we're going but this thought popped in my head i saw this maybe somewhere on twitter um with the rams losing that. Cam Akers, that, yeah you know do you think they're i mean some people are saying that maybe they they take a flyer on benny snell or they offer something do you think that's a real possibility i mean what what i guess the question i'm going to ask is what can you really get for benny snell uh probably like a seventh round draft pick you wouldn't get much at all but here's the thing i don't know at first you hear that and you're like i would love benny snell like he doesn't really bring much to the table to be quite honest with you but then again yeah i don't think the steelers can afford to move on he's from your benny second snell. guy he's your second guy and you know as we'll get to this now i was going to say after we talked a little bit about Najee, like Looking at the second string guy, I mean, you're going to need to. I know Najee's going to play 95% of the time, but mm. God forbid he were to get injured or, you know, it's just the, the ebbs and flows of an NFL game. He's not going to be able to be on the field every right. single time you want to run the football. So, I mean, you're going to have to have someone be that number two spot. And it's a position battle right now between Snell, McFarland, and Kalen Balage for that job. And I don't know if you can afford the luxury of shipping Benny Snell out for some late round draft capital in 2022. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And handing over that, you know, four to five carries a game to a McFarland or to a Balage. I just don't know if the Steelers can afford that. Yeah, no, I hear you. I mean, I would agree with that. I mean, I don't think that's going to happen, the Benny Snell thing. I just thought it was interesting. It's interesting that, that that's a name that would even be thrown out there if it's even baseless, but someone would make a rumor with yeah. that name. You know, uh, he's not really done much to impress. I know he's had a hundred yard game in the NFL before, but and he's still young. Yeah, I mean maybe that's the reason why. Maybe. But and maybe like that's what they're looking for. Plus with, you never you know. know like where guys were on teams draft boards when they were like that maybe McVay had Benny right. Snell high second round right. pick and right. now he's like okay, well, maybe this guy's available. Yeah, I mean it's possible. Like the Steelers I, with Haskins, you know. Right, like, exactly. I mean that's why the Steelers have Dwayne Haskins right now because they were very high on him. Um, you know, I don't think it's going to happen, but, you know, in a perfect world, if you were going to give me a sixth or a seventh for Benny Snell right now, I would take it. But I, I don't think it's not a perfect world. Right, right. And I don't think the Steelers can take it because of what you said there. You know, you know, if Anthony McFarland and Kalen Balazs are going to be your two and three, you know, I like Anthony McFarland. I think he's got some potential if you use him in the right scenarios. But, you know, you can't give the ball to Anthony McFarland six, seven times on runs up the middle. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like on short yardage downs. That's, that's just that's, not who he is. No, yeah. and I think that's why the Steelers, as you said, Tom, I mean, I know Najee Harris is going to get the third down carries and things like that, but if there's a situation where he's out of the game and you need three or four yards, I mean, that's right up Benny Snell's alley. Yeah. I don't know if you can get rid of who he is for, for that, and especially because you really don't have anybody else behind him, and, and we still, mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, you mentioned Kalen Balazs. I mean, yeah, he's played at the NFL level, and he's, you know, he hasn't been really great or anything like that, but I don't know if you can rely on him either. I, I just thought that was interesting that someone brought up Benny Snell to potentially. That's what I mean. It's you know, do you think Benny's the only backup that you would be unwilling to part with? Like on the entire team? Uh, in the running back room. 
between oh, Balage, see, I would Balage, part, McFarlane. If someone wanted Balage or McFarlane, I'd part with both of those. Guys. That's what I'm saying. Do you think Benny, Benny is the only one that you can't yeah, afford I think to get rid of? I think there's gonna be a position battle at camp for that second spot, but I think it's Benny Snell's job. I mean, especially especially because McFarlane's uh, stop and start change direction back. He's right. smaller. Kind That's of more not, of a scat You can't back. have that be a, your Bilal, second. When Najee Harris is your first, right. you can't. And Kalen Balaj, I don't know if he can be a power guy, but I think Benny Snell can beef up a little bit. And uh, although he's not like imposing height-wise, he, he could kind of be like a, a Doug Martin, not in the sense that he's going to put up numbers like mm-hmm. Doug Martin used to, but just as a hamster ball. What did they call him? The muscle? The muscle hamster? Something like it was that. like the muscle hamster. Just a small ball of muscle that can fall forward for three yards anytime you need it. He could have that kind of body type, I think, because he already is kind of a beefier dude. Like He's he's definitely a bigger guy for a mm-hmm. running back. Yeah. So and, that's why I think he's more attractive than the others. Right. I think so, too. And, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if any team would really want McFarland or Balage at this point. Um, obviously, you know, the Steelers brought Balaj in. So if you're, you know, you, I guess you can get something for him that way. But yeah, I, I don't think, I mean, I think I would part ways with McFarland or Balaj too, even though I just said I do like what Anthony McFarland said. And you kind of alluded to it there. It's on him being, you know, that breakaway type of speed guy. He's got the chance to score anytime he touches the ball. But, you know, you have to carve out a role for that guy. And, and you almost mm-hmm. wonder where, where or how he fits into this offense if you're, you know, going to try to run the ball. I mean, I know you can throw him a pitch or get him in space and things like that. But, you know, when you look at number one and number two, Harris and, and, and Benny Snell, not to say they're the same runner, but they're the same style of runner. You know what I mean? They're the ground mm-hmm. and pound, the get the tough yard type guys. It just thinks so because now I'm looking at, you know, I was a little ignorant on Kalen Blush. He's bigger, dude. He's six foot two. He's 230 pounds. So he weighs a little bit more than Benny. And he's a little bigger than him. But, you know, I, I'm looking at it and the best option for a bigger back is Najee Harris. He's six foot two. Right. He's two hundred thirty pounds. Like he's bigger and stronger than both of those guys are. So I mean, it really is like splitting hairs when we're talking about the backup running back. Because in a perfect world, Kellen, to steal what you just said, we're not going to see this guy more than a few snaps a game. But you just never know when that injury bug is going to bite. Hopefully, it doesn't bite with Najee because I think the ceiling that you have with Najee Harris this year is someone who can put up fifteen hundred total yards of offense. I think. A thousand yard rusher is definitely on the table, especially with the extra game this year, and especially with the Steelers committing a lot mm-hmm. to the running game like they're supposed to. Like be. they're supposed to. Yeah. We don't know if that's gonna happen. And I think he's gonna be, especially with Ben Roethlisberger still being a little tentative to throw the ball downfield. I hope we see him with some more mid range to deep passes this season. But if not, Najee Harris is someone that can eat and it can kind of work out better than it did last year. If he's dumping off to Najee, because instead of dumping off to people that really mm-hmm. don't have the skill set of him, Najee can turn a two-yard dump off pass to a 10-yard first down game, much like Le'Veon Bell used to do. So I think 500 yards through the air receiving is certainly possible. Uh, it could be even more if Ben, again, is a little feeling a little tentative and is getting a little check down happy, which might not be as big of a detriment this year, like I said. Right. No, it might not be because you have a guy like Najee that you know has proven, as you said before, he... He said that he's always been a receiver, and that's something that he's really used. And, and we've talked about this before. Is he going to be Le'Veon Bell, you know, splitting out wide and, and that sort of thing, running running, running wide receiver routes? I don't know. I don't know if he has that in his repertoire yet. Um, he probably could get there. But, I mean, regardless, he's shown that he has the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield, and that's really all you need. Um, and yeah, I mean, like we keep talking about if Ben's under pressure and he's getting checked down happy, which, you know, that could be a good thing, could be a bad thing. You don't know. 
Um, you know, if you have Najee Harris there on third and four and you're in a pinch and you just kind of flip one out there to him, it's not a bad place to be in. The wide receiver room is probably the deepest in the Pittsburgh Steelers locker room. It's going to be interesting to see these four guys go at it during training camp. I think Juju and Chase Claypool are pretty safe to be, you know, consider. I, I don't want to say one and two because they're almost going to be numberless to start the season, mm-hmm. much like they were last year. But I think Juju and Chase are safe to see a lot of the playing time at the position. And I think Deontay has a pretty good leg up on James Washington as well. But I think James Washington has a chance to make some noise, at least in camp. I think your top three are pretty much set in stone. But I think it's not a done deal like some positions are. I think that James Washington can certainly make some noise and take over that third spot from Deontay Johnson. For the Steelers' sake, though, and for Deontay's progression, I hope that's not the case because I think Deontay's skill set is more unique than James Washington's, and I think he can be a better NFL player as far as ceiling is concerned. Yeah, and I mean, when you look at Washington, I've said this a handful of times, like, I think he's one of the most underrated wide receivers in, yeah, in football. I couldn't agree more. Um, and that's all because of the situation that he's in. I mean, you know, not not many not many scenarios is that guy going to you know not be one of the top three wide receivers for any team. There's not many scenarios in the league that dictate that, but that's where he is in, in the in the Steelers uh, with the Steelers, I should say. And I mean, that's not a bad place to be. But I, I kind of agree with you, Tom. If the drops continue for Deontay. I mean, I think James Washington has a physicality to his game that Deontay simply doesn't has have because of his size. His size. And, and his playing the, ability. Right, yeah. and the way he plays. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, That's not to say that. It's different styles of play. Yeah, it's not to say that Washington, you know, is better, that Deontay, because of that, it's not my point. But, um, but I, I do think that, you know, it's not necessarily a done deal yet. And, you know, when you have those, any combination of those four wide receivers, Juju, Claypool, Deontay, and Washington – um, that's a lethal wide receiver group. And, you know, we've seen James Washington show flashes, but, um, you know, I think Deontay has the bigger upside, the bigger ceiling just because of the, the, the skill set that he possesses. But, I mean, that doesn't mean that Washington won't have an impact on this season or won't, um, you know, he won't uh, have an impact game to game mm-hmm. because I feel like we saw that last year. There were games where he stepped up. You think back to the, the Giants game where he – somehow willed his way into the end zone after he was picked up in midair by like two giants and still got into the end zone. Um, you know, he, he definitely has a, a different skill set than Deontay, but I mean, it's going to be interesting regardless of who it is in the fourth or the third wide receiver position. I think it is going to be Deontay at the end of the day, but um, I mean, it's, it's a great place to be in because of the fact, like you said, Tom, the wide receivers are, are, are so deep. By, I mean, by far and away, the deepest, on the entire death chart, on the entire roster. And, yeah, Kellen, I, I, would, I would like to return to the James Washington conversation because it's he's only wide receiver four because there are f- three guys ahead of him who are wide receiver one capable. Now, we know the criticisms about Juju Smith-Schuster not necessarily being able to take over an, a wide receiver one without having some guy be capable of lining up opposite him obviously referring to the AB era of, of which they were teammates and that's when he really shined but still Juju had a, a decent season last year it's obviously not the most stat appealing season for a wide receiver but when he had someone like Chase Claypool who was a big target lining on the opposite side of him he was still able to do if he was still able to be an effective wide receiver so it's and then of course Deontay we we have expectations of of, of kind of making that next step getting back to a pro bowler I guess all pro type level because he did reach that. It was just in in the kick returning game, but 
I really believe that James Washington, if given the right opportunity, could be a, a, a solid wide receiver too, maybe even a one. It's just the fact that there are three other guys who are also talented on this team. So talented and, and, and such different facets as well. Lots more storylines to get to, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So we'll pick that up on our next episode of Steelers Standard. We'll also, on that episode, talk about the Steelers' tendency to collapse down the stretch late in seasons and how that might be even more of a detrimental task this year. The stretch is brutal for them in December. So we'll talk about all that on the next episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Steelers Standard. For Jacob Recht and Kellen Garski, I am Tom Opperman, and we'll talk to you next time.